Hi, I'm Dr. Mansoor, naturopathic doctor, Anatara Medicine. Today we have Dr. Sean Tierney, ultrasound guru and extraordinaire, who will talk to us about some of the more innovative approaches to using ultrasound-guided hydrodissection. Now, the nice thing about C1 is we have the opportunity to address parts of our nervous system that get affected if you have... Uh, chronic infections or just overall dysregulation. So C1 uh, plexus, we call it. So the C1 plexus sits in front of C1 and a lot of cranial nerves come down in front of C1 just because that's the area where nerves can come down and they take the least amount of torque or they're not being stretched as much. So the in front of C1, you have your um, uh, occipital nerve which is your C1 nerve root that controls the uh, occipital muscles. So if your occipital muscles are not functioning, you may have some uh, C, some upper cervical instability. Yeah. So by hydrodissecting that C1, a lot of times it enhances the function of the suboccipital muscles and you uh, have significant changes in your uh, upper cervical instability. Uh, so it becomes more stable. Uh, the other thing that is in that area is going to be your hypoglossal and your glossal pharyngeal nerves, two nerves to the tongue, along with the vagus nerve that also goes to the tongue uh, amongst among many other places. So the, uh, the the sensation of your tongue and your taste is, is going to be your hypoglossal, glossal pharyngeal, mm. and vagus. And they all sit uh, between the uh, C1 and the gastric and more directly there's a muscle in front of C1 called the rectus capitis anterior. So it's more sitting uh, between the rectus capitis anterior and the digastric muscle uh, in, a, in a very clear uh, fascial plane along with the uh, occipital artery and the internal jugular vein. Before you get to C1, usually the uh, superior laryngeal nerve splits off. So then you have a plexus uh, in front of C1 that includes the uh, superior laryngeal nerve, controls your voice and your swallowing. Uh, the tone of your voice uh, probably has a lot to do with your ability to sing uh, as well as swallow. So then you have your superior laryngeal nerve, your vagus nerve, your hypoglossal nerve. Uh, you know, your vagus nerve uh, is going to control uh, sensation to your tongue, but it's also going to control blood flow to your brain. It's going to control blood flow to your gut, your digestion. Is gonna, it's going to be related to your heart uh, rate and your blood pressure. Uh, you know, and the vagus nerve, along with the sympathetic chain, kind of functions to moderate your uh, your heart rate and blood pressure. Um, so dysregulation in this area, I think you can automatically see, is going to be cause some significant changes uh, uh, directly in your digestive system because obviously these nerves are associated to your mouth and your tongue, but then they're also associated to your gut. So uh, this is a this is an important area to focus on. Uh, when we think about gut health, but also when we think about heart health. And what we're seeing now, uh, a little bit to our uh, surprise, but uh, uh, pleasantly, is that uh, a lot of these post-COVID cases, so post-COVID, uh, we have to think of that as being a, a C1 plexus problem for a lot of people. So why would that happen? I think, it, well, any, any kind of uh, infection, can cause irritation to the C1 plexus if there's lymph nodes that are right next to it. Um, for some reason, COVID maybe affects that area more. Obviously, we know we have a loss of taste a lot of times with, uh, with COVID, a lot of times loss of smell, sometimes even uh, some effects on hearing. Uh, 
and vision. Because you know this vagus nerve, like I said, does control uh, the blood flow to the to the brain, uh, which can affect hearing and vision. But also in that plexus uh, around the digastric nerve is also going to be our facial nerve, and and more in particularly associated to hearing, the nerve to the stapedius muscle. The stapedius muscle controls the tone of the eardrum; it attaches to the, st to the stapes. And uh, it's kind of the, the, the focusing ability of your hearing. Uh, also, importantly, it also controls the position of your auditory canal. So it's controlling the pressure in your middle ear. So you can imagine if you have a loss of control of the tone of your eardrum or a loss of control of pressure in your middle ear. Dizziness. That could, yeah, that can, cause some, okay. that can cause some problems. Proprioception, balance, yeah, things yeah. a lot related to COVID as well. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. the, the biggest, scariest thing is, I think for a lot of people, is that all these electrical heart problems, blood pressure, mm -hmm. um, and uh, where, you know, literally they feel like they're going to die, you know, because their heart rate goes too high, goes too low, their blood pressure goes too high, blood pressure goes too low. And it can be just, uh, you know, a very irregular thing and, and, and disconcerting. Uh, and really one of the most common things we see with this is uh, postural hypotension where you stand up, you get a little bit dizzy, you don't have the endurance to do the most basic activities. So POTS. Yeah. That's or, it, yeah. And then like the blanket term of dysautonomia, um, which can be related to C1 and craniocervical instability or CCI, and those things can all also be... right there. Yeah. yeah. So, so whether this it's is instability a, or... Yeah. So that all, all these things are happening at C1. And there's a there's a, in chiropractic, there's a... Uh, a group of chiropractors, they we used to call them HIO, where they focus just on adjusting C1 and, and, and propose these amazing uh, results from that. Mm -hmm. But I think as we understand the anatomy there and understand the functionally, we can, we can see why, hey, maybe this, this does make a big change for a lot of people. Is it, uh, does it have to be perfect align perfectly aligned? I think we're probably better aligned if things are working better, uh, but certainly getting that area as healthy as possible can make a big change. So let's go back to, um, you know, other things that happen at, at around that digastric. Your, your uh, spinal accessory nerves also begin wrapping around that digastric, you know, uh, right around that level of C1. And, and we do get a lot of this uh, uh, spinal accessory nerve issues where, where your trapezius and mm -hmm. tightness across your shoulder can be associated to that as well. So I think that what we're starting to see, I think where we're starting to pick up is this is a, an important area and it's especially important if somebody has had an infection or uh, an immune reaction that immediately caused some heart irregularity, some digestive irregularities, some tasting irregularity, some hearing uh, irregularities. And uh, we can make a change and a mm -hmm. surprising change. And, the, and even with like toxins, so like mold, lime, uh, all increase those, you know, lymph nodes swelling yeah. in that area. Those are yeah, any kind of infection, yeah. uh, and I think it's particularly those chronic infections, and uh, then this, this secondary thing, which may be actually a chronic inf infection, we really don't know, is this uh, is this COVID, uh, where and where we have that irritation and adhesions and inflammation in general tends to cause adhesions. 
And it, adhesions are a term that's floated around by a lot of professionals and, and non-professionals. It's like, hey, this, I have, I have adhesions. What do, you know, well, they what may not understand exactly what they are. My simplest way to explain it is, if you ever ripped your skin open, you know that it somehow it gets stitched closed back together. It kind of closes on its own. And, and it doesn't, how does that happen? Because your body tends to throw out webs. So I'd rather think of them as webs. Your body's throwing out webs. Um, platelets, when they aggregate, they throw out webs and you start to stitch things back together. And then when you have something that's torn apart and then there's inflammation because of that, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when we start to get these webs uh, forming between muscles where nerves need to move and they're restricting the nerves ability to, to move and get circulation, uh, then maybe those webs or those adhesions are now a different kind of problem. And uh, one of the great tools that we have now using uh, musculoskeletal under ultrasound, or we should maybe call it neuromusculoskeletal ultrasound, we can look at a nerve in a fascial plane and put a needle into that uh, fascial plane and inject fluid to actually separate the, uh, the fascial plane. So it's an actual true myofascial release. So we're separating, mm -hmm. creating space. You know, they, a lot of people talk about doing myofascial release uh, with physical therapy or chiropractic from outside of the body, which is a great thing to get things to function, but they're really not getting that separation that you can achieve with uh, hydrodissection. And the only way to get a separation there, uh, to dissipate those um, adhesions, was to use a scalpel. The only problem is now you had a cut and now you're gonna get the adhesions back uh, for many, if not most people in a few weeks. Um, so yeah, we've seen some. Yeah, and post-surgical adhesions. So even if you are using scalpel, it creates more scar tissue, more adhesion, more dysregulation with the nerves floating in and out of those fascial planes. So definitely for post-surgical uh, can be a really big yeah. Game changer. Gotta agree. And a lot of surgeries uh, are successful, according to the surgeon, but you still have persistent problems and it's distressful mm -hmm. for the patients. It's distressful for the surgeon. You know, everybody wants their patients to get better. Everybody wants patients to get better. And uh, now we have this technology. We can go in there, a surgery that maybe had some residual pain and because there was adhesions. Mm -hmm. uh, we can actually go ahead and look at look at the nerves and those adhesions and separate the uh, myofascial tissues and uh, the connective tissue and, and actually get a result uh, from, you know, an otherwise successful surgery, but for whatever reason led to excessive adhesions that irritated nerves and caused chronic pain. So for C1, how fast do you see results from an injection in that area? Yeah, that's the, you know, one of the nice things and the rare things that uh, you know, different different types of doctors will see in their office is an immediate change. So uh, mm. I I am drawn to a, a patient that I can think of that we saw recently after uh, having COVID. <clears throat> her blood her heart rate and blood pressure was dropping. So she was you know not a young woman, but her heart rate was thirty beats a minute, which is oh. which is like once every two seconds. And yeah. she she was looking at getting a pacemaker. She's very fatigued. She would pass out. She had this postural mm -hmm. hypertension. And uh, she came in for another reason. I said, oh, we might be able to help out because when we work on this uh, this uh, vagus nerve at C1, a lot of times we see that uh, that problem change. So, you know, we did an injection and with 10 minutes, uh, her heart rate was 72 beats a minute. And, wow. uh, and 
at his been 72 beats a minute for the past uh, four months <laughs> that's so yeah it's a, so it's so a it's lasting a, change. it can be this lasting yeah. you can get this lasting change and uh and i think it's also you know if you you know almost immediately and not all but some cases there's you can tell that there's a difference um and uh, a lot of focus issues are either because the brain is too busy or the autonomic system is dysregulated. So one of the things we'll do is we'll uh, do the opposite of doing a vagus nerve hydrodissection uh, in a sense, because a vagus nerve hydrodissection enhances the function of the vagus nerve. Um, but another way to address a positive change is to block the sympathetic chain at the ciliate ganglion lower down in the neck where we actually use a local anesthetic and that blocks the sympathetic chain. And you think, well, what is that? How does that help the nerve? Because it, what it does is it turns off the fight or flight side, which is the sympathetic chain, and allows the uh, parasympathetic, the the you know feed, feed and breed side of our of our nervous system, to function normally. Because mm -hmm. normally there's this play between the fight or flight and the kind of the vagus relaxation, digest our food, mm -hmm. function, relax, feel good. And uh, when, we, when one side overrides the other, then we have issues. So in the case of uh, uh, this autonomic dysregulation, do we need to do a C1 uh, section or a stellate ganglion block? And, and, and I think a lot of times the, the right answer is both. I think if their blood pressure is low, <clears throat> you probably wouldn't want to do a stellate block that day. Mm. Um, you'd want to maybe do C1 and then eventually yeah. when everything is functioning, we can do that. So Because you want to upregulate right. with the C1 yeah, and then exactly. the, S, the stellate is more right. to kind of relax, control, yeah. out, delete, kind of. Yeah. So the, yeah, yeah. The, to get into the stellate, I think that, you know, the, there's a lot of research on the stellate. And I think Dr. Mm -hmm. Sean Mulvaney has done most of that research. <clears throat> and we're, we're over 20 published uh, studies. And uh, some one level one study, case control, double blind, large numbers, multiple, cl multiple clinics uh, uh, study that shown, hey, this is effective for PTSD. And it, but it's also effective uh, for other autonomic dysregulations. And, you know, let's, why, why did I just go from PTSD to autonomic dysregulation? Yeah. That seems like a weird jump, right? Uh, and I think it is. And I, I think it is. But I think what we have to, what I have come to recognize and uh and i think there is not the literature behind this but what we clinically we've observed is that uh, if you, you do a block to the sympathetic chain and uh, for somebody who has ptsd and you use a uh a, a short-acting local anesthetic they feel the same as if you used a long-acting anesthetic hmm. except for they don't have any lasting results um, so then, well, that's interesting. So then you have to start to think, well, maybe we need to actually turn the machine off for a certain period of time mm -hmm. until you can recover. Right. So, um, so I thought that was just what we had to do. And I'm like, what is it? Why? You know, I think it, and, and I'm thinking, well, maybe it's a metabolic problem. Cause if we, if we need to clear the neuro excessive neurotransmitters out of the synapse, out of our nervous system. Uh, when we shut down that hyperfunction and take the nervous system down to a normal level, uh, metabolically, we have more energy to clear the synapse. So I thought maybe, maybe that's the issue. And, and then I was working with another uh, uh, colleague, colleague of mine, uh, 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 
his name is Scott Waugh, Dr. Scott Waugh, and he was telling me he is getting good, really good results with doing these uh, peripheral nerve uh, blocks for people that have peripheral neuropathy and peripheral neuropathic pain. And uh, so I said, what are you using? Well, I'm using some rapivacaine, some mm. long-acting local anesthetic. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why don't you use lidocaine? Well, it doesn't work as well. Mm. So then I said, oh, well, maybe this is something similar. So maybe these peripheral neuropathies, and we even call them metabolic neuropathies, are that metabolic overload where that nervous system is running so fast, those nerves are, are pushing so hard, they can't metabolically recover. So their sensation of pain and their function of uh, mm -hmm. managing that part of the body gets gets, gets thrown off. Mm -hmm. So when we do that, uh, uh, when we do that, block and turn those nerves off, they come back with less pain and more function. Mm -hmm. So there's this thing where where maybe what we need to do sometimes is allow the nervous system to recover. And it needs that duration aspect. So right. instead of using lidocaine, you use something longer acting like right. rapivacaine. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I call the uh call the steli block. It's uh three years of Zen meditation in two minutes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, a I, you know, I feel at peace. You know, well, that was hard to get there if you're yeah. too busy and too stressed. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. And this is uh, Dr. Mansoor. We're here at Anatara Medicine discussing some of the more innovative ways we can use ultrasound guidance for uh, re-regulating the nervous system and thank you for your time, Dr. Yes, Tierney. Right.